0: Grace and peace. I'll get ready here in a minute. You know, I really wish sometimes that uh, Jeannie's name had been Grace. And if so, I, had been, I would have been sorely tempted to have my name changed to truth so that people could in- introduce <laughs> us. I, would, I think that would just have been cool. Here comes grace and truth. Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is always a delight to have an opportunity to uh, share with you uh, what I feel like Father's saying to me. I uh, apologize ahead of time to Tim, I didn't even get time to tell you this, but um, he'd asked me what I was going to share and say, you know, he said, you can just go ahead with the uh, uh, series that we were on, uh, What's in Your Garden, or, you know, you can change gears. And I said, no, I've got something for you. Uh, for that one, I just kind of would like to jump into that. And he said, okay. And that's where we left it, and that's where I headed. And then uh, as I was waking up one morning, it just, my message just had a bad taste in my mouth. It, I can't do that. that no, that, that just, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce more questions than I have time to give answers. Just not going to do that. And so, what am I going to do? And uh, so anyway, I got to thinking uh, about the title up there, God's Purpose is Mine. Yeah. Um, and it's true for all of us. What Whatever God's purpose is, if you want to live a, a happy life, a victorious life, then you better find out what God's purpose is, generally speaking, and, and then more specifically for yourself, and then you, you join him in that. And that just makes things work really well. God's intention for the church is that the church be the vehicle through which the kingdom of God brings to earth or reestablishes in the earth, God's reign and God's dominion. When Jesus, we'll get into this in just a little bit, but I'll I'll bop ahead to this. Uh, When Jesus prayed and said, Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not after we all get to heaven, but on earth as it is in heaven. And then he turned around and said, now, you need to change the way you're thinking because the kingdom of God is right here at his hand. It's it's where you can grasp it. And then he said in another place, it's within you and it's around you. Don't go seeking the kingdom off up there. The kingdom's not going to be established when we all get to heaven. He came and established the kingdom now, reestablished it, in fact. And he has invited us to participate with him to see that His reign and his dominion is reestablished in all the earth. His promise is that his kingdom would grow and continue to grow forever and ever. So it didn't take a nosedive when he died. Didn't take a nosedive, you know, during the Middle Ages. Didn't take a nosedive when somebody was elected president. His kingdom continues to grow. And so as long as I keep that as my, my perspective on life, the trivial things, no matter how monumental they might seem, the trivial things uh, of this earth just are not going to shake me off of my course, not going to cause me to waver from my focus. I'm going to see what God is going to do in the earth, and I'm going to be a part of it. So he said, In Genesis, the first chapter, to just kind of set the stage for what I've just been saying, God said, us let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let's harness their capacity so that they don't go crazy. No, actually he didn't say that, (laughs) even though some of you were nodding, and please don't do that. He didn't say that. He said, Let them have dominion. Where? Over all the earth. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big bite to take off, to have dominion over all the earth. Dominion means to, to ultimately to rule, but the, the, the words that it come with that, like to prevail and to overcome so that we might rule, uh, we, we tend to take that in such a literal way that we miss the intent. We start thinking about just that, you know, Ruling the earth, setting up my throne. And yeah, remember, the Old Testament is Jesus concealed, where the New Testament is Jesus revealed. The Old Testament is type and shadow, the New Testament's reality. So when I see something back there, it's to give me a, an idea, a picture of what he wants to do in the earth and in my life now. So it's, it's a, little bit, a little bit different. But anyway, that was God's original intent, that was God's purpose. For the earth and for putting man in it. He spent a lot of time, a few days, <laughs> not a lot of time except in God's time, but spent a few days uh, preparing a perfect earth and a perfect garden in that perfect earth to put his perfect man. Wow. That he said, Now I want you to take dominion. I want you to cultivate and grow this garden. Just, you know, it's not going to be a labor. It's going to be just you guard it and and see that it continues in the the vein that I've provided. It didn't take long. Not even one generation passed. Not even one (laughs) small period of time passed before man messed it up. Man sinned, and in that sin, he not only forfeited what God had provided and intended, But he so marred the image of God in himself that he he, he was unable to reproduce that image in another. One of the sadder scriptures for me in the Bible is real early on. It's there in Genesis, the fifth chapter, the third verse. It says, and Adam lived 120 years and he begot a son in his own image, in his own likeness after his image and he named him Seth. He he couldn't reproduce God in the earth. Could have, but now he was no longer able to because that image had been marred by sin, marred and so corrupted that every man after that had that same twist of heart, had that same distorted picture of God that he produced or that he offered to the world so that he couldn't act like God, he couldn't look like God anymore without that little thing that, well, that's, that's not quite God. That's... And each succeeding generation made that mar, that corruption, a little bit deeper and a little bit worse until finally God says, you know, we've got to, got to do something here. Mankind is getting further and further from God and as man got further and further from God, it, because of God's continued love for us, he said, okay, l- let me let me find a man. There's got to be somebody out there in all of this that, that I can I can find that will start turning hearts back toward me, that will start being a leader and leading people back toward me. That didn't work for a long time, and finally God found a, a man who was strong, who was capable, who was a leader. And he brought the people out of bondage and brought them, headed them toward a new garden, if you will, a new place of provision that God had prepared for them. But once again, that, that twist, that, that mar to God's image was so great that even with a, a leader being this exemplary individual before them to give them a hint, an idea uh, of what godliness could be like. He brought them to a place and God said, I want to bear you up on eagle's wings. I want to show you myself. He was offering relationship back again that had been lost from the garden. And people given the choice said, ah, we'd rather have rules on rocks as relationships. What? What? Just tell us what to do and we'll do it. We don't need to get all palsy about it. Just tell us what to do and we'll do it. That had to be such a stunning refusal of a hand offered in grace. It's still astounding to think about it. And so he took two tablets of stone with his own finger, said, all right, you want rules, here's rules. He offered a, a covenant and a will that said, okay, this is, if you, it, this is still an inheritance that I have for you. Still something that I, I want you to, to have and hold and behold. Just this time, though, instead of out of relationship, you got to keep the rules to get it. Now, God, when he did that, of course, knew that it wasn't going to work. It wasn't intended to work. It wasn't intended to be rules that you follow all your life. It was intended to be rules that were so impossible to keep that every man would look at them and say, I I can't do this. God, I need a savior. But the mar, the twist, was in there and it was in there deep. And even with that offer, even with what God had given them there, it was like, uh, I, I see what the inheritance is, but I can't, I can't put myself, I can't go there, I can't give it that. So, again, God, love so great, mercies new every morning, his persistence so dominant that he said, all right, one last-ditch effort, I'm going to give you my son. I'm going to give you Jesus. And so he did. And Jesus, early age, just a, just a kid, asked, what are you doing here? And he said, why would you even ask? I'm, 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 about, I'm here about my father's business. He did such an outstanding job of the father's business that the Father's kingdom actually was reestablished and, and expanded. The Father became richer because of what this son was doing. And he said, this is, this is good. I'm going to make me a bunch like this. I'm going I'm to bring many sons to glory. And I mean, that, that's great. And he, but wait a minute. That's going to require a new will. I, I, it's going to require a new covenant with man. And that's wonderful, but... For a covenant to be established requires a death. It's going to cause the death of my beloved son. Hebrews, the ninth chapter, the sixteenth verse in the Amplified says, For there is a last will and testament, or where there is a last will and testament involved, the death of the one that made it must be established. For will and testament is valid and takes effect only at death, since it has no force or legal power as long as the one who made it is alive. So Jesus knelt there in the garden and said, Father, there's got to be some other way. No answer. There's got to be some other way. No response. Not my will. But yours be done. So in perfect obedience to the Father, Jesus uh, wrapped himself in human flesh and came to die for us. It. Uh, it wasn't that just just that he came to die for us. It was why he came to die for us, so that we could get what was in the will. Everything that was in the will. You know, it, it makes me want to stop and say, you know, somebody died and left you something that's that's kind of an exciting prospect it's not exciting that somebody died, but somebody left me something i i I got a little inheritance here, and that's exactly what happened with jesus it was but the 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 wild thing is the richest will in all of human history was enacted with provision for sinful man wasn't to make Using that term again, make God richer. There was no benefit to God. It was all about you and me, and all about making sure, again, this new will, new covenant, new testament, to make sure you and I got what God wanted us to have. The tragedy is, of course, that, or part of the tragedy is that so many people that Jesus died for have never read the will. They've got a copy of it. Hard to find a person that doesn't have a copy of it or have access to a copy of it. But often it is in a drawer somewhere, gathering dust on a shelf or a table. And that's, that's certainly tragic, but the greater tragedy is because they don't know what's in the will, the devil is able to lie to them. The devil is able to get them to settle out of court, as it were, and rob them of the inheritance that belongs to them. That's the tragedy. That Jesus bought and paid for so many things that the enemy steals from us because we don't know what's in the covenant. Oh, we can find things through there. Oh, well, there's healing and prosperity and there's this and that and the other. But those are just terms. Those are just Jim said this morning that pie in the sky kind of thing, but it isn't. It wasn't certainly intended to be that. The whole idea is to know the a little, little bit deeper than that. You know, once again, if somebody died and left me something, one of my first th- my first questions would not be the the uh, uh, greedy uh, how much and what. No, my first question would be who. Who died? It was, you know, Joe Blow. I don't know any Joes or anybody named Bo, <laughs> you know? Ooh, what? and I'd wanna investigate. I wanna find a little bit about this person that left me something so that in knowing that, it would change drastically, perhaps, the value of that gift. I remember when uh, my grandfather uh, just had a wonderful relationship, dearly loved him, uh, when he died. And one of the things that I, I loved about him is that he shared a, an attribute of God. Both of them thought I was their favorite. And so he, uh, he, he wasn't a man of, of any means at all. He, he had been in construction all of his life, brought block layer, brick layer builder, and uh, just, you know, one house at a time, one job at a time. And so he never accumulated anything. When he died, they were uh, my grandmother and he were living in one of these little uh, small uh, apartments where you... Uh, Housing apartments, you know, so he didn't really have anything. So it surprised me when I got a a letter that had a check in it that was That I had been named in his will When I knew very well that the other 37 grandchildren hadn't been but like I said, I was his favorite. So yeah, there's that And so it was designated for uh, a year of college so Anyway, that, that's, that's another story to look at in a bit, but the, the point I'm making is that the value of the gift is oftentimes associated with the giver. And so when I got that as an inheritance, even now, I feel the uh, love and affection, and connection yeah. that I had with him. That, he's been dead, I don't know, 30 40 years, something like that. Long time. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm just start bringing a towel. Uh, I started to say, I, I, can't, I, I can't help it. And that's, that's true. Uh, I used to wanna help it. Uh, I know it makes my face look even more stupid, all twisted up, but I just can't. Can't do it otherwise. When the, when the uh, breaking is deep enough, yeah. it just doesn't go back together right. Oh, or it doesn't go back together. And I lost my place. All right. Uh, so it's important to know who left you what. Because it adds to the value of the gift that's been given. And so knowing what Jesus did for me, did for you. It adds to the value of that wonderful gift, and knowing what the gift is. And again, God always, of course, is proactive, and he said, okay, uh," or I say, okay, what what have you left me? And he said, well, I've got somebody handy that can kind of guide you through it. And that's 1 Corinthians 2.12, said, and we have received the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Freely given to us. If you find yourself ever begging God, oh God please, and it's for somebody else or take this pain or God provide for this need, whatever it is, if you get yourself begging, you're in the wrong mindset, you're in the wrong mode. These are the things that have been freely given. Nobody twists God's arm, nobody, encourages him to be more generous. He's over the moon and all those things. So just thank you, Papa. Thank you for what you've done. You're such a good, good father. I love you so. So his divine power, this is 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us all things, both that pertain to this life and that pertain to godliness. Everything that is infused in this life in a spiritual sense. God has already given you all those things. Again, the, the, the past tense. He has given, past tense, all those things to us. But the access to them is not just by asking, it's going to the will. It's the knowledge, it's through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. These are all things that we know. And that, as I said earlier, is kind of like the tragedy of not even picking up the book. The tragedy is that sometimes we satisfy ourselves with that perfunctory reading, you know, every morning, night, noon, whenever you do it, open up my Bible and, okay, uh, this week I'm in Jeremiah. And so I read through Jeremiah and there's some things in there that are good, things that bless me, little scriptures that I've heard uh, over time. And I look at them and, you know, make some kind of personal application to them, whatever. But I really never get around to, but what's all this for? What's all this mean? What what, what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to access it? And just a, a daily Bible reading won't get me there. Would that it were so. That would make things so much simpler. Our lives would be so much different. This world would be so much different if we were these powerful men and women of God because we did a daily Bible reading and prayed. It, it, It just won't do it. And that again is why the enemy is able to steal so much and steal so consistently from us because the weapons of our warfare that should be mighty are just things that we read about and aren't able to really utilize i hope that doesn't sound like dawn she steps on toes and I, <laughs> I, I i had to i had to she and i have this little game that we play of poking one another in some kind of way, and so that was, she's not here, but maybe she'll hear about this. That's my poke to her. All right, so as I said, the avenue by which these things come to us is the knowledge of God. We got we to gotta know God. We got to know God. Know Jesus. If I asked the average person this morning and said, uh, do you know Jesus? And you'd say, well, of course I know Jesus. How do you know you know Jesus? Well, he saved me. I was lost in sin, and he came, and I I heard and I believed that his blood was shed for me, that he died on the cross, that he forgave me of all my sins. Yes, I know him. Well, you had a transaction. Wonderful, powerful transaction. But, you know, I remember the, the last house I bought. I spent a lot of time because... Uh, if, you, if you don't have a regular job, it can sometimes be a, an uphill climb to demonstrate that you actually are going to be able to pay off this loan that you're, you're asking for. And so I spent a good deal of time with this uh, lady at Bluegrass Bank. She was the loan officer. And we'd talk, and so, you know, I'd bring her some information, go down and meet with her again. She'd ask for more information. I mean... She, she, she got deeper into my life than was comfortable. I felt violated. Uh, she just wanted to know everything about everything I'd ever done. And you know, where's evidence of it? And how much money do you have? And what do you spend it on? What's your bank and your bank account number so that we can verify what you're saying is actually true? Uh, give me copies of your credit cards and we want to check on those too. And I might want a vacation. I don't know what she was doing with all that stuff. But I spent a lot of time uh, in that lady's office. And so if you ask me, do you know Margaret Swartz? I'd say, well, of course I know her. Uh, What's the name for children? Does she have children? I don't know. How about her husband? Is she married? I don't know. See, there's knowing and there's knowing. So when I say, I want to know Jesus, can't be a transactional thing. Me just getting information about him and him getting some information about me and we're good. I'm on my way to heaven, glory to God. That was what I was after. Dawn. Yeah. Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the point of that really is not to make anybody feel awkward or badly or anything like that. It's just that he's my husband and I'm his bride once again, that's not something that's going to happen way off yonder somewhere when I get to heaven. I'm married to him now. Yeah. And the way I know I'm married to him because he told me he and I are one spirit. Come on. And therefore, I can use his name. Yeah. Tell you what you think about before you got married, you guys, let's look at it that way. And if you're bride-to-be... Came to you one day and said, uh, oh, uh, just wanted you to know, I bought a new car, and my credit's kind of in the trash, so I used your name. And and I gave it to a friend of mine because she was having to walk to work. I know you won't mind. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. How much? Was it a used one at least? No, you don't get to use my name until we're one. Let me give you another little piece of that that's even, even more powerful. You shouldn't be intimate with somebody you're not married to. Do I want to be intimate with Jesus? Oh, that's, that's where the life is. I can do that legitimately because we're married. We're one. So when you say, I know Jesus, if if the connection is not as complete as you want it to be. He's standing there. Yeah. We're married. Come on. Let's act like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So Jesus shed his life's blood to make sure that you got what's in the will. Make sure you got what father intended for you. You know, that's, I say that's, that's kind of good news. And I call it kind of good news because it's great news for me. Not so good for him. The innocent had to die for the guilty. The right had to die for the wrong. And that can't make anybody feel good to know that somebody died for you. Oh, what you got out of it, that makes you feel great. But the fact that it took that to set you free, that's heartbreaking. But thank God that's not the end of Jesus' story. After three days, he got back up out of the grave, became the administrator of his own will to make sure you got what's coming to you. Now think about that. Now that's where happy time comes in. If that doesn't throw you into shock worship, just boom, you know, you probably need to plug into a different socket. <laughs> I remember, the. I think the maybe the first time, certainly the first time that ever happened to me in a car. Uh, and I was just driving along the road and, I listened to something. I don't know what it was, but just something just hit me. And I, boom. Like that. To throw my hands up in there. Well, it's got a ceiling pretty low over my head. And I, bam, just crammed. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but so pick your, pick your surroundings before you are ready for shop worship. But he ratified this will in his own blood. And like I said, and became the administrator of that will to make sure that you got all that's coming to you. You know, if you start believing stuff like this, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, it, it will change you. Because if you believe this, then you know that there's not one person on this earth, there's not one devil in hell that can keep you from getting your share of what Father left for you oh, right. to get your inheritance. And again, not saying that in any kind of greedy, avaricious way, because once again, I'm not talking about stuff. I'm talking about purpose. Man in the earth, what am I here for? Why was I born at this time, in this place, to these parents, to this life? Why am I here? That's a that's an ex- existential question but one that you and I should have a pretty good answer to. I know why I'm here. I'm here to work with my father to extend and expand this kingdom that he's established, reestablished here on this earth. And he's equipped me, that's what Will says, he's equipped me to participate in a wonderfully powerful way. And again, God will kind of define my words as I go along, because oftentimes when we think of powerful, we think of tearing stuff. No, I'm talking about powerful in the spirit, that things have changed so radically, so dramatically, that when I walk into a situation, instead of walking in kind of meekly, Again, that's that's another one of those terms that needs to be defined because Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. And that meek man certainly wasn't a weak man. He took a few million people on a camping trip for 40 years, and they didn't even want to go camping. I mean, that that (laughs) takes a leader. That takes a leader. So when I walk into a room, it's not a meek and mild, you know, hope nothing untoward happens here while I'm here no i walk in with a sense of confidence and a sense of assurance not because of a, anything personal about me but because who he has made me to be in him can you imagine jesus walking in and kind of you know sidling around the edges of the the crowd kind of checking out the crowd to see if there's anybody there that he can go speak to or anybody that would like him or something like that before he wow. of course not i mean that that just Jesus. Oh, who's in you? Oh, that's Jesus again. Come on. Come on. Come on. My copy of the will says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's right. Come on. Oh, Now we're right back to where things started. And God gave them dominion Over all the earth. Jesus said, Now I've come, and the kingdom is now within your grasp. And you're being reintroduced once again to the proposition of inheriting the earth. Oh, that's a great inheritance. So when I die, I get, no, 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 wait, wait, what? You don't get an inheritance when you die. What are you going to do with it? You're dead. No, you get an inheritance when somebody else dies and leaves you something. Yes. So when you read the meek inherit the earth, don't put that off in heaven somewhere. Come on. Say it. He's died and given you an inheritance. It's yours now. If you don't use it, if you don't embrace it, if you read the copy of the, your copy of the will, and you decide that going to heaven is all you're really after, that's entirely up to you. It's your will, your relationship. But there's more in it for me than just a free ride on a nonstop elevator. I'm going to do what he called me to do, be what he called me to be. And I'm not talking positionally. I'm talking about one who inherits the earth, one who has been transformed in such a way that what I do and how I do it reflects this king who orders himself over this kingdom that I'm now a part of. That's that's who he's made us to be. That's what he's given us and that's what he has invited us to. But once again, the stinking devil has stolen so much of that understanding and belief and idea from us as Christians because we don't see good examples of it around. So we imagine that, okay, it's off in the future somewhere. That's during the millennium or in heaven or, you know, we just have all these kinds of ways that we can project it in the future so that I'm not responsible for it in the present. But I have received my inheritance. Yes. I don't have to do anything with it. It's just like if somebody said, hey, I've, I've given you a bank account down there. It's a fat one. And I say, appreciate it, and I don't have a checkbook, I don't try to get one, I don't go down to the bank and get a statement, I don't have any idea. But it's there, and it's mine, it's my inheritance. What do we do with the inheritance that God has given us? We're want more. Well, to know know that negative circumstances have to bow to your word because you're speaking with the mouth of God. To know that whatever the enemy has set up to destroy, that you can uproot and tear down. It it changes, uh, again, it changes your life and it was intended to we are supposed to be walking in this sense of confidence and assurance of who we are in Christ. Yeah. That it, I it, probably have shared this before and, and just got an, uh my youngest son just gave me another example of it and, uh, with, with appreciation. Uh, I taught my children real early on that the favor of God is on them. That they can take advantage of it or they can ignore it but the favor is there and it's available. And that particularly when they go into difficult circumstances, particularly when they do things like they're applying for a job, go in feeling badly for the other applicants, (laughs) knowing that it's your job. Because why? Because you're the most qualified, perhaps, but often that's not the case. Why would you get the job when somebody else is overlooked? Because they just look and... There's this kind of glow about that person. I don't know what there is about them, but I just feel like I would like them if I got to know them. I, I, I want to do something good for them. I want to have, and all this is going on kind of running real in the back of their mind. They're not even aware of it. But it's God's favor that's on that life. And so everything they've done, everywhere they've gone, they found favor. And they just continue to climb and climb and climb. And... Uh, As I said, my youngest son quit his uh, job in Chicago to move down here because after Cheney passed, he wanted to be here. And uh, so he needed another job, and he did just exactly what I said. He looked through the the available uh, companies, uh, found the company that he wanted to work for and the job that he wanted to apply for, and he applied, and they did just exactly what I said. They said, well, we have several candidates for that. And he said, well, I, I appreciate that. But he said, you'll find I'm the better candidate. And they, well, and he said, no, don't misunderstand. He said, that's not ag- arrogance. He said, I just know that i you'll find me to be the better candidate. And so I expect to hear back from you when, you know, you're, you want to talk contract and start dates and things like that. And they hung up and about three days later Three days later, they called back and said, well, you know, um, strange thing. said, uh, we've taken that pool of 10 down to just you and one other person. And, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. He said, hey, that's fine. Uh, once again, just call me back when, when you're ready. And another week passed. They called him up and offered him the job. Now, that's just a, a long way of saying just what I'm saying, that, that that's the attitude that we should carry into every situation that we have. That it doesn't matter what the odds are stacked against us, God levels the playing field. Initially, initially, and then He <laughs> kind of jacks things in my favor. I mean, that's that's the way I always feel. You know, when when I when I think about well, I mean, let me just make this this one statement because it it to me uh, it, it says so much when we're talking about wills and you know wills being. Uh, Red and things like that—you always think of uh, there's some kind of some kind of attorney, some kind of lawyer involved in that. And I was thinking about that this morning and thought, you know, that's a delight to know that, because I have an attorney that's on retainer, 24/7, 20, <laughs> 20 uh, 365 days a year. He he never sleeps. He never rests. He acts like I'm the only client that he has. He shows such devotion and interest in me. He's Jesus, quiet, Jesus Christ the righteous. First, first John two 1 John 2.1. And you have an advocate with the Father. Anytime you get accused of anything, anytime things are going crossways, uh, 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 hold on, you need to talk to my lawyer. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not adequate for this at all, but I have a lawyer. Never lost a case, never will. You need to talk to him. Yeah. I have an ad, advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Yeah. Yes. Somebody died and left me something. Come on. And I've got a copy of the will, been ratified, been verified. I've got the stuff. That's the good God that we serve. Now, God says, what, or I said, first, once again, just knowing that it's there, just hearing about these things can excite us a little bit, stir our imagination a little bit, but it doesn't get us there. It doesn't happen just because I want it. doesn't happen just because I believe it's in the book. It, it happens because I go through this transformative process that God has given me, this powerfully imaginative process that he labels the renewing of my mind. It's just so that I, certainly it's so that I begin to think differently, but it's like I come into God with this mindset of how the world is and how things are around me and who I am and what I am and what I can do and what I can't do, what my skills, abilities, whatever, or lack of same are, and I, I've, I've got all this. And then God comes and says, okay, I've got a, I've got a mind change for you over here. We're not going to do a mind meld, you know, like Dr. Spock or something. We're going to do a mind change. This one is garbage. uh, I want to renew your mind because the way you think damages you. you. You are too quick. To go to the negative. You're too quick to identify problems instead of solutions. You're too quick to see what you don't have instead of rejoicing in what you do have. You've got to change that, or when I tell you you've inherited the earth, it'll just be, so what? What am I going to do with that? That's That's just another responsibility that I don't need. So I've got to have my mind change. He says in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, He said, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. Sentence is very important. He said, the old man, the person that we used to be before Jesus, grew corrupt. In other words, the corruption was advancing in us and it was advancing in us because of our thinking. It was because of deceitful lust. Now, lust is a powerful word that we always associate with something sexual, but it just means desire means a, a, a hungry desire. And so he said, you had all these desires. You wanted things to make you feel good, things that make you smell good, may, that taste good, that uh, uh, you know elevated you in some way. It's all about what, what you want and what you perceive the function of that will be in your life. And he said, but it's a deceitful thing. It lies to you. It won't really bring that. And the proof is that when you get what you wanted, you either want more or bigger or better or something else, so it just keeps climbing, and the the corruption in your life keeps being elevated. And he said, "So you've got to put that off." Now, put off is a is, is an interesting where it's not just uh, you know you thump and you put it off. It, there's, there's more. Passion to it than that. It's something that that you see is so so nasty, so stinking, so raunchy that you blech, you know you're, you you want to get. I always think of a an old pair of tennis shoes that you've worn for you know three years, night and day. You know, I mean they, they they've worn out. They've got where your little toe went through the right foot and your big toe to the left foot, and you've got yeah, you know, that's what they built duct tape for, and so you got them all wrapped up. But but these have have developed a level of funk and nastiness that, that defies description. And, and you, you preserve that by each night sticking your dirty socks in them to hold that brew that's going on in there. And these tennis shoes, I mean, they, they would gag a maggot. They are nasty. <laughs> So, so you take these tennis shoes and you're out on the back porch playing with your dog and you've run out of things to throw for him to fetch and you pull off one of those old tennis shoes and you throw it out there. Dog runs and chases it down, comes sliding to a stop, grabs that tennis shoe and turns around and just freezes. He spits it out, vomits on it, runs over to the neighbor. Won't come home. That's, tennis shoes like that need to be put off. So when God says, put off the old man, just kind of carry a picture like that. I want to get rid of those. And I, and I don't want it back. And God says, now renew your mind in that process. And he said, I'll give you something better to wear. And he fits me up with this robe of righteousness. It's a 44 long, just like I like it. Doesn't pinch in the shoulders. Right, right length. Yeah, Lord. Now I'm ready to strut this thing out into the world. You know, I'm, I'm clean, I'm bright, I'm good. I, and he, he said, Now just, you know, tap your brakes there, slow your roll just a little bit. He said, Now, you know, that world out there has a, an inviting aspect to it that you were eyeball deep in. Then he gives us another scripture. As soon as I find it, it's around here somewhere. It's, uh, you can go ahead and put it on the overhead. It's uh, Romans 12. There we go. Uh, before that, let's, let's do Colossians 3.9. Colossians 3.9 and 10. said, so put off the old man with his deeds. See, he had something there with his deeds. And you've put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Notice that little terminology there? When I put this on, an image is restored. The image that Adam lost, I regain in Christ. That stuff comes to me both both times, he says. One, he calls it uh, uh, renewed in the spirit of your mind. Here, he calls it renewed in knowledge. It's still the same thing. Because it's the knowledge of God, it's the knowledge of the will that deepens that in me so that it really becomes effective and it becomes active. It, it, it's something that, that I can do, something that I can, I can work. So this new man now that I am, ah, got, got, got the face on, got the image of Christ in me, got on the robe of righteousness, I'm, I'm stepping out. And he said, no, well, be, be, be concerned, not be concerned, but be, be aware that you're stepping right back into what I just delivered you out of. And do not be conformed to that world. But in this renewing of your mind thing, keep being transformed. Every time you run into something that starts feeling old worldly to you, don't be conformed to that. Don't don't let that shape you. You've been reshaped. You've got the image. Don't mar that thing. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's my responsibility, if you will, or it is my, I'll just leave that alone for a minute. Let's call it responsibility. It's my responsibility to join with God to see that my mind gets renewed. I can't do it on my own. I can't make me believe, but I can put myself in a place where believing happens. And that's in the middle of his word. And it's not just, as I said, not just some perfunctory reading, not just trying to go through the Bible in five years or <laughs> 10 years. I, I, I talked to somebody not too long ago, and they had been a Christian for 16 years and had never finished the Bible. I, I, don't, I don't know how you can do that. And this, this, this was a person that every one of us say, that's, that's one of God's good ones there. But just somehow, there was a disconnect. How do I renew my mind without the information that I need to renew my mind? It's like telling you to, I, I want you to put a new operating system on your computer. Okay, what is it? I've got this old one running, it's cranking out garbage. Give me that new one. Well, no, yeah. just do it. That's not the God that we serve in no way, no shape, no form, no fashion. I've got to be transformed. And so I want to step out in this world and I find out that the world is filled with traps. And so being the smart person that I've become in Christ, I'll just step back. I'm not going out in that. I'll hang around with these people because I'm safe in here and they'll love on me. I won't get beat up. I won't be in danger of losing my image, getting my new cloak dirty. I'm not going out there. Because didn't Jesus say, love not the world? We well, did. But he also said, for God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. You know, when Jesus was getting ready to, to go to the cross, John 17, he said, uh, I do not ask, talking to the Father. He said, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep and protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world. They're not worldly, belonging to the world, just as I am not of the world. But as you sent me, I also have sent them. And that's not just the 12 disciples, 11 at that point. That's all those who call themselves disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been sent into the world. Not to cloister together, I mean that's okay, but you know, every one of us would prefer to work in a Christian environment. Every one of us would prefer to, if we could just get a, get a company where all of us were employed, all of us were making big bucks, and we could just hang out together and have a, a worship session every afternoon, and maybe two or three times a, a week uh, uh, somebody come in and, and share a good message with, wouldn't that be heavenly? Well, it would be, but it would, it'd be missing the mark. Yes. We were sent into the world. Jesus didn't come to save you from the world. He came to save the world. Yeah. Come on. Okay? Amen. And so he's not trying to get me out of the world. For most of us, he's working hard to try to get us into the world. We're, no, 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 no. Amen. Nasty out there. I want to find a Christian community where I can get a job. Or if I'm already in one, I want to get some Christians to work around me so that I'm more comfortable and we can fellowship with each other and talk about those people over there that don't know Jesus. How about talking to them <laughs> instead of about them? Um, Don. <laughs> I honestly, like I said, this, this was a quick little message. And I, I intended it to be, you know, like a, 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 a midget boxer. Uh, that's really angry, that, uh, you know, gets in a whole bunch of punches, but keeps it short. And uh, I just didn't do any of those. All right. I'm I'm trying to find a, there's got to be a landing strip in here somewhere. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Persistence. Excuse me. This is this is grape flavored, so it's you know it's authorized. It takes time. That's that's the message. <laughs> you can't renew your mind quickly. It just we just can't. If God had had. In his great wisdom said, I'll tell you what, if you will put yourself to it for 16 months, give me at least an hour and a half every day for 16 months, I'll release the contents of the will to you. Oh, they've already been released to us, but I mean, we're talking about practically working all of it. You'll be healed, you'll be delivered, you'll be prosperous, your relationships will be wonderful. 16 months, renew your mind I mean, how many of us would be dumb enough to not be all over that? But the reason he doesn't, of course, is because then we would rely on our 16 months instead of on him. It would be the effort that I expended. We'd be bragging to each other. You, hour and a half, I gave two hours yesterday. Wouldn't be about Jesus. Be about my effort. And everything that that I, I do, I have to stop and check it against that simple thing. John 6 said, they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Man, we see you healing, delivering. It's wonderful. Raising people from the dead. Ham sandwich, feeding 15 people. No, no, it wasn't ham sandwich. That was Jews. So it was, it Didn't no ham, no bacon. Cheese sandwich for everybody. What do we need to do to work those kind of works? And his answer was, had to be kind of astounding to him. He said, And this is the work of God, that you believe in him on his set. That's the New Testament standard right there. It's about what you believe about him that opens the door for everything else. That makes life worth living and makes us able to live the life that he saved us to live. I'm supposed to be a walking, talking projection of what it means to be flowing in the life of God. People have to be able to see me healthier, happier, more prosperous, more engaged, more alive, more, 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 more ready to, to pray for them, love on them, provide, do whatever. And not because I'm a nice guy. It's because I've got a really nice guy, a treasure, a treasure. In this mud hut, I've got a treasure. And my life is all about cracking off the shell and exposing the one who dwells within. So that when they come, like they did for Jesus, said, "Sirs, we would see Jesus." You go. Let me unbutton my shirt. That's, that's all I am. I'm just wall-to-wall Jesus. That's what I want. That's what you want. But I've got to renew my mind to get there. And it takes persistence. I mentioned, and I'll close with this, I mentioned before about my grandfather uh, giving me my first year of college. and uh, Poor kid, and loans weren't uh, very prevalent back then. You had to have cosigners and all that stuff which I didn't have. And so uh, joined the Army, three years in the Army, came back out of the Army, and with the intention of going back to school. And Jeannie was pregnant uh, with her first child. And so that took two or three years to kind of get things situated where I could, you know, provide support for that. And look, going back to school again, she got pregnant. And uh, so after three times, I decided there's a correlation here that's troubling. That every time I start to school, she gets pregnant. So uh, do I want a huge family and still no college? Or but anyway, it took, uh, took 11 years to get my bachelor's degree. Another six to get a master's, you know, just. Uh, but I, all of that is not to, oh, your poor thing took, you know, not, that's not the, the point. The point is that when uh, one of the, my starts back on toward my, my bachelor's degree, and I still had a way to go, and Jeannie and I sat down and figured it up, and I had, it would take me six years at the rate I was going the, the classes I was able to take it would take me 6 years to finish up my bachelor's degree and I said is it even worth it do we even do we even want to put ourselves in that place where you know you'll have to do without me being here it'll cost us money that we really don't have it and her wisdom in talking me down off of ledges and quieting whatever furnace I had, I was stoking. She said, how long will it take if you keep on putting it off? Well, even longer. (laughs) Don't have to be a genius. And that's what I felt ever since about renewing my mind. That if I think I just don't have that kind of time, Lord, I, I really would like to spend time not just reading your word, but studying and, and trying to, to build this, this bank of, of wonder inside of me. So that when, when I can be this person that, that is able to inherit the earth and able to do something with it, I've already inherited, I'm not doing anything with it. But every time I, I get to one of those places to start to complain about not having enough time or energy or whatever else, what you said kind of rings again. How much longer will it take if you don't get started? You say, well, I'm already this old and, you know, uh, I read my Bible a lot. And, you know, I go to church a lot, and blah, 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 blah. Are you renewing your mind? Is your, is your intimacy with your spiritual mate what you want it to be is it is it growing and flourishing? Are you more in love with him today than you were a year ago? Those are kind of the kind of questions that that for me I keep flipping up on my screen, okay, then I just hunker down and and do what daddy did. He persevered as bad as man has been as as ridiculously. Obtuse as we act, oftentimes. He doesn't give up. He just keeps, keeps chugging. His mercy is new every morning. I can screw up today like Hogan's Goat, and tomorrow, reset. Mercy's new. Sins are still forgiven. He still loves me. In my case, I'm still his favorite. That's my invitation to you. Just ask Father to grant you the grace to persevere. Don't, don't try to eat the elephant in a bite. Just take what you think you can do and stick with that until he shows you that you can do more, until he shows you you can do more, until he shows you you can do more. He's got such a wonderful life prepared for us. The invitation is there. The will has been read. The good stuff belongs to you. It's time time to take the kingdom and work with Father to see it expand. Would you stand? Thank you, Father. Since I have no idea what time it was when I started, uh, I don't know whether to apologize to you for taking too long or just say, hey, you're blessed, I didn't take as long as you thought I would, or just ignore the whole subject. So let's just do that. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' wonderful, matchless, magnificent name, I thank you. Jesus, thank you for what it cost you. To ratify the will. To administer that will in such a way that if I cooperate, I'll always get everything that's coming to me. Lord, we usually use that negative. You're talking about somebody getting what's coming to them. We, we, we think, you know, getting a few lumps on their head, but Lord, it's, it's just an expansion of my heart. That's what's coming. I can foresee a day that I cry all the way through the message Uh instead of at given points. (laughs) You're such a good, good father. Lord, we love you. Help us. Help us in our infirmity, Lord. Our weakness that makes us so prone to false starts that never carry through. You're the only one that can put that kind of determination, that kind of will in us. And so that's, that's, my, that's my prayer for me first, Lord. <laughs> me first. And for all who are in the sound of my voice, Father. Do it, Lord. Let, let Father bring many sons to glory because we've been so good to do the Father's business. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.